For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. But, Bears got their right tackle, though, so, you know. Because <laughs> I know what I think of a, a, a Tampa 2 defense. I think of <laughs> how good's your right tackle, though. <laughs> that man, dog. This is gonna be one of them ones. It's not. It's not Mahomes, Trubisky, but this gonna be one of them ones, bro. Passing on this dude for the defense that you run. I just. That's why I sat in the cut when everybody was <laughs> out here, you know. Chris boshing themselves about how how cold the draft was and and how much how many how much money they spent in free agency. None of that shit matters if your three technique is getting his ass up off the ground every single down. I went back, dog. I've watched that game three times now, three times. Justin Jones had the Velcro jersey on all game long. He had the old. I used to make fun of Jared Allen at the end of his run here in Chicago when he was on his vacation tour when he just decided to sign with the Bears at the end. And man, Jared Allen was out there doing the motherfucking Watusi with people for for hours. Get to the quarterback? Nah, here you. I got Velcro jersey on. Come give me a hug. This motherfucker, Justin Jones. I watched this dude. Be on roller skates with a Velcro jersey on. Just out here <laughs> putting, hey, come on, come, you mind for the night. <laughs> Maybe dance with your dates type shit. Dog, this motherfucking kid is out here ragdolling grown ass men. And, and, and you didn't have the infrastructure. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Fuck. Yeah, I'm like, what then? What, what are you doing then? Like, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't take them. You don't have the infrastructure. You, you supposed That's to build it. it. <laughs> what do you, you mean? Motherfuckers got to agree with Tony. <laughs> like you supposed to build the coach. You motherfuckers got to agree with Tony Gill. <laughs> you know what? Isn't that what you pay coaches for? Duh. Isn't that, isn't that why you do this whole thing to 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 have talent and then show talent how to be in this league? Yo. So, oh no, we won't, we only want good guys. <laughs> hey, <laughs> got it, hey. Man. Randy Moss touchdown in Minnesota with Chris Carter. Uh, the, 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 hey, remember the, the cruise, the, the, the stripper cruise they had with Fred Smoot and, and, and big Brian McKinney and them? He's like, hey, let's, let's drop Randy Moss in the middle of that group. Go, go be a Hall of Famer. Man, what are we talking about, dog? Like, every, I'm going to hate watch the rest of this dude's career. Like, I'm going to watch Jalen Carter for oh, yeah. the rest of his career and be yep. like, God 
Like you really don't you you really don't really care about Chicago Bears fans because that dude was tailor made for what mm-hmm. you needed. Tailor made. That defense, like we can talk all this shit we want about what what different ball game with with the linebackers. It's a whole <sighs> different ball game. Like yeah, you got the high price linebackers now, but now you you plug in that dude to take care of all the other stuff. Now that money don't look don't don't look as as dumb as it does after week one. But this is episode 290. That's what we're in. That's what we're doing. Welcome to episode 290 of the Full Gold Podcast. You may have already heard the fellas, and if not, you heard me and Tony Gill's outrage as to what the hell is going on. Man, how how did eight days do this to us, Doug? I was thinking about that today. Like, like remember, remember how we felt? Well, Y'all heard it in my voice at the end of preseason where I was like, hey, y'all, I'm, you know, I'm singing Bear Down. It's just in a lower key. It's in a lower register. You know, it ain't going to be as loud. You know, we might whisper the last couple lines. But man, eight days done turned this into fire, everybody. <laughs> you got the old heads coming from the top rope. Dan Hampton is out here calling people clowns. <laughs> Hey, listen, you might be mad at the 85 Bears for still talking shit. Hey, I'm just glad they can talk. <laughs> I'm just glad we got some of them that still is out here. You know, like, you know, shout out to Steve McMichael. He's not in the best of health, as everyone knows. And the man, you know, is has been waiting for this Hall of Fame call forever, right? And and he was one of the greats, right? He was one of the, the great um, personalities in, in that 85 Bears squad, right? But, you know, Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, uh, shit, Wilbur Marshall. <laughs> like, I know these names as a 42-year-old. I was five years old when the Bears won the Super Bowl. You know, I was a year older than my son is now. And my son don't know shit about sports, right? Like, so I'm, 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 I'm wearing the ruse, right? I'm going, I, the 85 Super Bowl shuffle, I got it from Kentucky Fried Chicken on a 45 and played it on my first, my play school first recorder, my first record player. That's what, that's like, that's what I was into as a kid. It's 37 years later, and Dan Hampton is calling out Eddie Jackson and calling him a clown. Think about where we at right now as a football fandom, as a crew, as a city. We look raggedy as hell after eight days. Like, how big a house of cards was this entire thing if after eight days we like, hey, so... uh. We're going to have to start watching the draft, uh, you know, because Caleb Williams might go first. You know, you ain't going to be that bad. And like, it's, it's, it's a pump your brakes Thursday, apparently. Huh? Look at you. I got the dog all mad. Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves real quick. I'm going to go get the dog and have him be around all this loser talk. Hold on. Even the dog's upset, man. Come here, the whole golf house here, is upset. You got him off. This this is this is gonna be the one for me. This is definitely gonna be the one. Like the what if, right? Situations like a lot of what ifs are kind of still a bit of a reach, right? A stretch. Whereas like, oh, if this could have happened, if this one thing could have changed, like Jay, I was just I was just telling them like this move of passing up on Jalen Carter is probably gonna be the move. Uh, in my sports lifetime, I was talking of uh, like what ifs, 
because like yeah, what ifs are usually a stretch more, more than two like, games right you know? but, but, but this shit looks ridiculous man but this this one is like no no they had him they had him in their hand they had him and then did what they could to move off of him to get away from him in order to take darnell right like this is this one might stick with me for for all the way to, to the end cold, right first game looked shaky first and we expect that I expected both sides, left and right, to look shaky. If it, but it, but if all right, if he is cold, what's still and both of them end up cold? What who's more valuable? Oh, of course, of course, right? Of course, you know. You, Nobody's I, like, oh man, I'd right rather tackle. have Aaron Donald than before Trent Williams, even though Trent Williams is an amazing football player. I understand, but you, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than both of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's all about one, and it's gonna be about one till it's not about one. You know the the. I just mentioned the last time the Bears won the Super Bowl, and how a, a former Bear on that team is calling a current Bear a clown. And what are you gonna do if you're Eddie Jackson? You can, you know, you can disrespect the greats all you want, and or you could just be quiet and let it rock. Like this, it's a no-win situation. <laughs> It's a no-win situation, and guess what? Nobody can talk crazy to them. No matter what a person in my age range feels about the '85 Bears, which you know, hey, it's part of the fabric of this city. You know, they they it, it was a, a monumental occurrence. Like like, there's been nothing like it since, including that 2000 Ravens team, including some of those Warren Sapp-led Buccaneers defenses. Right? I mean. That defense, you go back and watch the, just the, the highlight tapes. The Joe Ferguson hit is one of the more violent things I've ever seen on film, including any kind of nature show you want to throw out there. Like there's, there's certain things and, and certain teams that mean something to you. The 85 Bears are always going to mean that to this city. But guess what? The 05 crew was amazing, right? Nobody could talk crazy to them because nobody has taken them off that pedestal, right? You think about Giants fans. Hey, Pepper Johnson, Carl Banks, Lawrence Taylor, those dudes are gods, but Michael Strahan is too, right? Like (laughs) Justin Tuck ain't got to pay for a meal either, right? Like Eli Manning is the man. We talk about Eli Manning in Hall of Fame conversations because of what he did twice. So the Dan Hamptons of the world, hey, is, does it look great to talk crazy like that about current players and dudes that are wearing the same shield that the whole NFL brotherhood and all that other stuff that they like to throw around, especially with these colors that have won so little in, in 40, 50 years. Hey, you want to shut them up? Get yourself an opportunity at Raymond James stadium. Like these are the times we don't talk about enough when people do that whole everybody's against this uh, or the whole world's against this. If you motherfucking teams that, that got 14, 13, 12 points favorites in the game spreads. Two, we think so much. We think highly of you, sir. We, we're giving you a two touchdown spread like Colorado. Jay Norvell really stirred him up with the you wearing glasses and you wearing a hat. You motherfuckers should beat them by three touchdowns no matter what. right but when you flip the script when it's the nobody believed in us and then you get a chance 
then you get a chance for everybody to believe in you. <laughs> and then at the end, you go, yeah, yeah, they was right, though. They, they was right. They, 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 they were great judges of character in that situation. So, Eddie Jackson, hey, make plays. <laughs> you want to shut everybody up? Make Jaquan Brisker, you're on the road. You should want to hear boos. The boos should fuel you this week. And Lou Getze, you know, fellas, I have seen some times. <laughs> He's calling him is Luke Getz. It, it's Luke, right? <laughs> I thought you oh, said no, Luke Getz. I was like, oh, you gotta earn <laughs> the, you gotta earn the K. <laughs> My man Luke Getzy out here. That's that. No, I'm not gonna do that. It's gonna get disrespectful, right? Because then I call him that, and then he called me the other thing. We're gonna be, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's cool. It's cool. Luke Getzy. Sorry, Tony, not Lou, not my man, sweet Lou Getzy. Hey, if he goes crazy, if he goes, if, if they put up 45, he going to be Lou Getzy for the rest of, that's it. We done made it happen. There it is. The Full Go Podcast has come up with their first thing of the football season. It's Luke Getzy versus Lou Getzy. You know, Lou Getzy is the one that steals plays from the Baltimore Ravens and other exotic Madden play sheets. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> that that's that's my man Lou Getzy. Luke is the one who forgets that that he doesn't have Mark Brunel back there. You feel me? Like you have a thoroughbred and you call one design run. Like as bad as Chase Claypool's performance was, you know, Luke. <laughs> Yeah, you right there. You right there. Listen, Roshan Johnson is the only way I think this team is going to really have any chance of bringing those safeties down for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and finding yourself a couple of deep shots. If I am playing a defense against the Bears offense, there is no reason for me to ever not be in zone. There is no reason for me to ever sneak a safety up to the close of the line of scrimmage. At some point, we're going to tackle you enough that that man's going to have to put the ball in the air against seven, eight men in coverage, and he's going to make a mistake because he's not getting the short throws. The run game is not like we talk about last year's run offense. Yeah. What? 1130 some odd yards of it was Justin Fields, but Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery got their fair share as well. You don't want to turn this thing into depending on Josh Allen before the dude has his 40 touchdown season. You know what I mean? Like you slowly, the bills slowly, but surely was like, wow, run game. Who needs that? Right. But by that time he was already MVP caliber, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs was cooking before you even get to that point with Justin Fields. Y'all here like, all right, you stay your ass in this pocket. Okay. And you better play like an MVP, even though the play calls are remedial and half the time on the perimeter, you either got either a hurt play because y'all ain't going to tell me Darnell Mooney is fully healthy. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We were talking about, is this dude a one or not? And then the last year and a half because of injury and other things, we, he, he's, he's missing. And I thought he had a good game, to be honest with you. I thought he had a really nice game until he kept getting clobbered because people around him didn't want to be as physical as the opponent. But if Justin Fields is going to be allowed to be Justin Fields and Roshan Johnson runs like he ran in the second half of that football game, you're going to have to bring some safeties down. Then you could take your deep shots. Then you could actually treat DJ Moore like the number one wide receiver you traded for. You know how angry DJ Moore had to be, but you can't really show it on your first week with the new fam? You know how angry he had to be? Jair Alexander talked shit coming off the bus. 
and you didn't even you didn't even try to be aggressive with that kind like you know what dj moore has gone through you see the quarterbacks he done played with that man has been through the killing fields and he, he thought he was gonna get his shot in a big city on a big stage against that corner who talks that type of shit and his offensive coordinator and his quarterback dialed up his number twice once at the beginning of the game and once at the end of the game and now you got to hear Jay Alexander talk shit for the entire week after that. All kinds of memes, Twitter feeds, you know, social media foolishness. Come on, dog. These dudes got egos. These dudes, these dudes have pride. And to have that happen in week one where you can't do the, like, if this is week seven, DJ Moore can be like, hey, man, what, what hey, yo, <laughs> what's happening? But in week one, you got to sit there, oh, you know, we're going to, man, that dude's probably fuming. I would want him to be fuming. And now you get another chance. Don't get it twisted. Tom Brady's not on this team, but there's still the Buccaneers crew. <laughs> Vita Vea is going to have a party. <laughs> so you better be able to run the football. Vita Vea, you, Bears fans, you're going to see one of the best, I think the top 10 athletes in all of sport. Not football, all of sport. This is a 340-pound man who can move like nothing you've seen. Man, a ballerina. dancing bear. What? 300 pounds. What are we talking about? Ballerina. And your boy Nate didn't have a, the greatest of games. Lucas Patrick didn't have the greatest of games. Now you get to see that? Yeah. All right. You, want, you tired of people talking crazy? You get an opportunity every Sunday. Tired of people, tired of old heads talking crazy? You get a chance to shut them up. Whatever you want is right there for you. Your crew has to help you. The coaching staff has to help you. But, man, <laughs> this is one of those, uh, like, what you made of games right here. And it's too damn early in the season if you're having those. <laughs> we talk about must-win games in week two. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, Bears fans, I got you. Bears, Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. Bears have not fared well there last three times. They have lost by a margin of 27.6 points. I think this was going to be a little bit closer, but I don't think the Bears win it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus two and a half is where I'm going. The first leg of my three leg same game parlay. DJ Moore, a lot of conversation about DJ Moore. The over under is 43 and a half receiving yards. I'm going over. I think they're going to force the ball to DJ Moore and he's going to get over that total. And speaking of over the total, the total points is 40 and a half. I got it set at 40 and a half over. I'm going over. I think Baker Mayfield and Justin Fields will put up a few points and I don't try this Bears defense as it's currently constituted. So there's my three leg same game parlay. I got the Buccaneers minus two and a half. I got DJ Moore over 43 and a half receiving yards and I have the over for the total points at 40 and a half. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash full go. It's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O and kick off the NFL season with an offer you 
won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18, 2023. No refunds, terms, and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Coming up next on the Full Go podcast, we have the the honor, the pleasure of having uh, one of the best in the business. I think there are very few people, if any, who do it better than one Bomani Jones. He graced us with his time. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. I want to start with you in, in a place that um, I have been wondering and people have been asking me about because they know that I'm, I'm a fan and I'm a consumer of everything that you do. People be like, hey, man, what's next for Bomani? And I'm like, hey, man, Bomani's kind of been telling y'all this entire time that whatever's next, y'all going to catch it wherever you catch it and just be sitting in the cut waiting for it. So uh, I'm not going to ask you what's next. I'm going to ask you. What's the time been like that you've been away from these hot microphones, man? Yeah, it's interesting because I took a kind of sort of two-month sabbatical last year, but I kind of did a world tour in the course of that. Like, I went to Turks, I went to Madrid, um, I went to I went to Cancun, mm. you know, like I made some moves on it. This time, life been a little different, so I ain't been able to so much do that. So I'm a little bored right now to be perfectly honest like i got some kind of other ideas i've been bouncing around i'm taking some spanish lessons like i'm gonna continue doing that after um after i get back to work or whatever but no it's just i mean it's just been kind of low-key like the thing about this that i think for me is interesting in here and the ways that people respond to it and i've made this point before and bless everybody's heart but they don't really know nothing about this business or how it works generally speaking and really don't know that much about like the specific situation or the place that i'm in right now so i can't blame them for saying stupid uninformed things i just wish that they understood that those things were stupid and uninformed now rarely do people recognize that what they're saying is stupid but they can typically acknowledge that what they're saying is uninformed right like everybody becomes some measure of expert because this seems like a game that you can fully understand by observation and i can understand why a lot of people would think that but you can vouch for me on this that ain't really how this goes. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, what I'm going to do when I come back, whatever it is, is we're going to take this podcast to a new place. Like, I got the IP for it. Um, so it's not like it's a start from zero sort of thing, anything like that. Like, last year, I took a couple months off. This year, I've taken a couple months off. And then one day, we're going to be back. There'll be a press release, you know, all that stuff that people get off on. Right? I, I'm just uh, – I – I am not surprised that people care, like in the context of if you listen to the podcast, you like to have the podcast back in your life. Like that I understand and that I fully appreciate. I yes. am amazed that anybody outside of this actually cares, right? Like mm. <laughs> that, that this is something that people think is worth writing about or, or pretending to report about. It ain't actually reporting, but they do pretend. When did your life change in that way that you because now it's you don't expect or don't understand i guess why people care but it's gonna happen mm -hmm. no matter what like when did that change for you where it was like you know what this is just gonna keep on happening and i'm gonna keep on not understanding why it's happening this way well i think it's important before answering that to specify the most important reason that people care and people care because people care about espn 
Like the mm. part that is about me is somewhat secondary. People care about ESPN. If you really stop and think about this, with the exception of maybe Fox News, there's no other network where like office gossip and the politics and all the things that surround it are discussed by the viewership in the way that it is with ESPN. Like this is almost like wrestling. Right. Where like people talk about Vince McMahon and all the stuff that goes on with him and his family and everything else. So like, you know, you got to humble yourself and be honest. Like people don't care that much about me. Primarily they mm -hmm. care about ESPN. And I think for a lot of them, what it is that I like represent to ESPN, but for the people who care on like, I would argue the most fervent levels, it'll go away once I have a job. Right. Because once I have a job, I stop I stop serving whatever agenda right. those people have that like want to turn my very unique and particular situation into a referendum on one of many things. Some of them, I think people intend to be complimentary. Some of them, people intend to denigrate me. Right. Mm. Almost all of them are wrong. Right. Like No matter which side they fall on that, almost all of them are wrong. I'm glad that, uh, you know, the, the, the Twitter sphere has drawn you back in a little bit more over the last you know month or so, because there was a time where you said you were taking a break. And I, at this point, I just post whatever I'm doing on there and keep it moving, say a couple of words here and there. But I was happy to see that you, you know, you um, you throwing out that San Francisco Chronicle piece or from the gate. And all of a sudden it became a referendum on Bomani Jones, not liking white quarterbacks, man. I, I, I didn't know you had. Hey, I. I'm sitting there like, all only one man can have all that power. <laughs> Yo, it was so wild because if people don't know, uh, the website San Francisco wrote an article based on a study some academics had done about black quarterbacks, and basically black quarterbacks outperforming their white counterparts relative to their draft positions, which right. was then kind of extrapolated to the idea that how it is still more difficult for a black quarterback of like the same skill as a white quarterback to be viewed and treated the same way. I quote tweeted that. And the three words that I put on the quote tweet were worth a read. Worth a read. That was all I said. I did. I didn't make no larger statement. There was some quote in the story based on some interview that I'd done with a radio station, but I didn't do nothing. Next thing I knew the bots, and the people who hate me just jumped all on top of it. Didn't read nothing, right? Like, didn't give an actual click. And I was just so blown away by the idea that worth a read could, like, do that. But it, for me, and at least the way that it went in my mentions and what I could see, what makes this so terrible on my end is because the crazies and the bots jump on everything, the reasonable people, it's not worth the stress for them to like reply and right. engage with the things that get out there. So for somebody in my position, if you go look in my mentions, none of those people are real anymore. Like it's so hard. I used to be able to get real engagement from real people. Some of it positive, some of it negative, but the overwhelming majority of it real. That platform has gone like to the birds in such a way where that's not even possible. And I even read something that was very interesting. That what's happening is people are now reading these tweets and then taking them to the group chat rather than discussing them in public because discussing them in public in large part has become so hazardous. That's what I do. I mean, we, we got a group chat uh, that's named after one of our long forgotten establishments here on the outer south suburbs of the city of Chicago that we used to frequent. And we jump in there and we talk about a whole bunch of things that, you know, and it's 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 always interesting to get the check the temperature of the people around you. And I never, ever take for granted, like this person wants to think like me or will think like me. But it's interesting that you say that because 
where can you like where does nuance conversation happen now not in public not really um i mean and i guess that's not i guess that's not necessarily fair like where can you say. be where can because I, I go through this well, hold on hold on, hold on. I give, i'll give you an example of something that happened recently All that right. like made me question this so a friend of mine named jason england uh he works at carnegie mellon and he wrote a piece about uh, hip hop fifty for defector.com. Okay. And it, uh, the subhead on it, as I recall, was basically after fifty years, what's left of hip hop? And it was a very critical and often scathing look at just the idea of hip hop, like as culture, rap as music, you know how the, you know how those things intersect and come together, and everything else. Um, I thought that it was excellent. And I thought that even if you didn't necessarily agree with some of the points that were made, um, if there was room there for, like, if you chose, if you wanted to offer a substantive critique, there was substance there for you to critique and mm-hmm. to push back on or whatever it is. And I sent the piece out. I saw some other people did. I saw it get a measure of traction. He'd been doing a lot of podcasts on it. Like, the dude's a brilliant thinker, right? And a very disciplined and measured thinker. He ain't just going to throw something out there that's some bullshit. What I noticed resulted from that was there was a measure of criticism of the piece, but none really public, right? Like none really for what I would term an open discourse. Mm -hmm. Most of the criticism of the piece that I ultimately saw was people just talking about it on Facebook amongst themselves, right? And so you get like kind of a certain class of people within the space who have the gravitas and visibility to take these things out in public and lead to a larger and more, more robust discussion. But nobody really wants to do that, right? And even when you start talking about the nuance in discussion, part of the nuance in discussion that's been lost, I think, is that people refusing to be critical of their friends or the things that their friends have done or written in public or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't see at least too much in the social media spaces anymore. And I feel like you used to see it, but not nearly as much if you see it at all now is like a real hearty back and forth about the things that people say and the things that people write instead of kind of just trying to come off the top rope with something that's going to make people like understand you and see you. But like I've noticed over time how, the more nuanced or more level the topic is that I try to approach on social media, I've watched the level of engagement and interest in that stuff just kind of go down like that. You know, like, I just don't think that's what people at this point are going for. And that is, I mean, that's one of the points my man made in his hip hop essay was really just about how we don't have a real, a culture is only sustained through criticism. And I don't know. And, and by criticism, I don't just mean being willing to say something's bad. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like being willing to actually talk about these things, engage them, have the real back and forth about them. And so we good at saying what we don't like, or that's trash, <laughs> or this ain't it, or whatever it is. Like, I was amazed somebody said something and be like, this ain't it. I'm like, well, say more then. Right. right? Like, if you're going to send it to me and say that, I am here to engage you. Say more. Yeah. And but- the answer often is, I just didn't like it. Well, why you ain't like it? You know? And with writers, why I didn't like it could often be because you didn't write the thing I wanted. I would have written if I was you, right? Like there's a certain narcissism that comes in all these things. But we, I just feel like overall, I hope that we can find the place because we should all be big enough and tough enough to handle those things and to get better as a result. 
Yeah. And, and in the, in the time that we're in now, I just wonder where the people who still have to learn, want to learn, but are scared to say the wrong things while learning where they go. And, 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 you know, usually it usually is in a silo of that's them, but I'm talking about with us, like what you just mentioned just now with hip hop. Yeah. Like I, I grew up in a time where, you know, first, first record I ever bought with my own money, Bigger and Deaf, LL Cool J, 1987. Save my little pennies together and say, hey, mom, going to the record store right down the street when you could send a seven-year-old to the record store right down the street. Mm-hmm. And I bought my shit. And from that moment on, you know, LL Cool J and Kumo D meant something to me, right? The battles and all the things. And then, of course, all the artists that spawned after that and the regionalization of the music, hearing something in noise from the South, hearing something in noise from the West. And now, especially in the culture that that well i hate that buzzword too the culture but especially in the 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 environment that we're in now you might like something because it has a different texture and i might be in a different place in life but there is no room to find the truth in criticism i think that extends to a lot of the sports conversations that we have now with it being you know in no shade but like assigning points to a conversation you know, I used to call it the ESPNization of conversations back in the day when I was on local radio here. And it's like, we, somebody don't have to win. The, the, the yeah. end result is us understanding each other a little bit better. And I, I don't know, I guess, I guess, well, I guess it's gotten well, to the point the now where it's all that. Well, well, I think part of what's happened also is that talk is cheaper than ever. Right. <laughs> so I remember when I first started writing and I basically just started writing on a whim when I was 19 years old. Um, after my junior year of college. And this is these are the nascent days of the internet, right? But if people wanted to bring you the smoke, they you could offer them an email address and they would bring you the smoke or whatever they wanted to bring via email. Prior to the email world, it was letters to the editor. And if somebody yeah. wanted to bring you that smoke, they had to go and get a piece of paper, perhaps a typewriter, maybe just a pen, they had to write that out. They had to fold that thing up. They had to go get an envelope. They had to put that piece of paper in the envelope. They had to lick it. They had to get a stamp. They had to find the address. They had to put it down. They had to go outside. They had to put it in the mailbox. They had to raise up the flag, right? right. They had to do all them steps in order to do that. Right. Ain't nobody got to do none of that now. They ain't even got to like halfway consider reading it before they decide to pop off at you about what it is. All they got to do is hit reply or go to whatever and then hammer you. And so I make that distinction because the people that were willing to take these other intermediate steps were likely to be much more thoughtful. And I remember the first time that I wrote something that I got a large amount of, we'll say, criticism for. And what it taught me in that process was how to glean who was just hating and who actually had a point. And when you started reading stuff and people started pointing to the same thing over and over again, that's when you realize that somebody had a point. That might be something that you need to think about, but there was room for you to learn. You know what I mean? Like there was Mm -hmm. room for you to get that criticism and it be coming from reasonable people and you could thereby get better. And I don't really know how that goes right now. Like I was, um, Coco Goff, when she won the U.S. Open and talked about her haters on Twitter, that honestly broke my heart to hear that. That, like, in this moment, there's such an avalanche of negativity that somebody in her position is taking in that in that moment, she chose to dignify those people that probably aren't people. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And so where you talk about where do you have room to get it wrong, where do you have room to do that? 
that's 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 where it takes me. You know what I mean? Like, where are you supposed to get that necessary criticism that helps you improve and helps you and like helps you not just grow as a professional, but grow as a person and recognize that, you know, sometimes you're going to be wrong. Who do you trust in your life to do that? Oh, man, I don't really feel like I have a shortage of people that I trust to do that. Like, honestly, if they're in my life, then I trust what it is that they have to say. I may not blanketly take all of it in, but also kind of being who I am, if somebody takes the time to tell me, chances are it's something worth hearing. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I, I've, I've had enough things happen in my life to make me recognize that I don't know it all. <sighs> and the person who may know that one thing could literally be anybody. Mm. Yeah. I can dig it, man. I can dig it. Um, Texas back. You know, I stopped rooting for them. I don't know if I told you. This, <laughs> I, I, know, I know. No, no, but I mean, it's a thing that I got to explain to people because they don't understand it. Like, my problem is that damn song. And so they can't ever play well enough to get me on board because every time they score, <laughs> they play the song. Every time they win, they play the song. But they got players, right? Like, and then keep in mind, this is the team after Bijan left a year early. Um, they have got players. They probably have a quarterback, but I think that game against Alabama had a bit more to do with the fact that it might be a wrap on what's going on over there. And I've been saying this for the longest. Okay. Don't know why people won't hear me. This is actually the greatest testament to the brilliance of Nick Saban because people have never seen angry Bama before. They have never seen what happens when the fans feel like this ain't going the way that it's supposed to. The closest was in 2010 when they lost three games and that ain't happened since this place don't tolerate that. And they're like, Oh, Nick Saban's earned enough goodwill. There ain't that much goodwill in the world at Bama. They treat coaches like players. You know what I mean? Like coaches mm -hmm. get this broad benefit of the doubt. And after everything you've done for us and this emotional reaction, players get it done or we get somebody else in here. And they will do that exact same thing to his old ass. Just you watch. <laughs> Speaking of uh, head coaches in college football, the Deion Sanders thing over this last couple of weeks has been absolutely fascinating. And, you know, the, the whole thing with Ed Werder and all that aside, uh, the, the, the Matt rule disrespecting the kids and the is personal. I think Deion Sanders is pulling off something phenomenally fascinating. Deion Sanders, to me, is convincing everyone around him that he is anti-establishment and that he is the dude that is like here to make sure y'all understand how we supposed to roll. And I'm sitting here like, hey man, I didn't seen Bobby Bowden do these things. You know what I'm saying? I didn't seen how Schnellenberger pull up. It's like, oh, what y'all like to hear? All right, we're gonna do that over here now. Out of Jimmy, what you think Jimmy Johnson was out here doing? Huh? You think Jimmy Johnson was just like, give me 225 pound linebacker? because it's the way that football could be in the no 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 he knew who was kicking whose ass and what they like to wear and how they like to talk so i i appreciate it like everybody not, not everybody but i grew up around hustlers right my, my yeah. mom and dad made sure that we lived in evanston but i the the rest of the the family <laughs> was yes. not around yes. us yes. and all the people that i saw that came to evanston and saw people that they didn't see before and I, i'd be like oh y'all y'all falling from my uncle shit 
shit? Oh, don't worry. It's cool. I, I didn't seen this for you. I'm sitting there watching Dion like, they falling for my uncle shit again. Yo, so here's what, I, here's what I'll say. Like, I'm doing uh, a podcast with some homies tomorrow about Dion, and I got to figure out exactly how I'm going to measure this because I've made my own decision. Like, it's worked out well for me that I've been on this in-between jobs thing in this time, right? Right. people care way too much about what I think about it. And what I'm trying to do on my own end is... And by the way, I'm rooting for it. Like, I'm rooting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for it too, right? We'll get to that part. But I want to try not to say too much about the team itself until after the USC game. So after they play Oregon and after they play USC, you're going to, you know, we'll have a better idea of Mm -hmm. what is going on here. But I do ask this question for everybody, and you hit it right there. This idea that what Dion is doing is challenging the establishment. I just need somebody to explain to me what they mean when they say that, because I don't see, I see a different spin on the same game, but I don't see it. If you're, if your idea of Dion uh, up in, in the establishment is bringing in all those transfers, don't forget every transfer that came in meant somebody had to go out. Right. Mm. Like, like this is, I don't, I don't see that as necessarily being disruptive, but this is what I do think is important to note about Dion. And we can say over and over again, it should probably say more. Dion Sanders is probably the most brilliant branding expert that there has ever been. And I just want you to think about it in this very simple context. He created the brand of primetime in his dorm room in 1988. Okay? 21 years old, he created primetime. You fast forward 35 years, and he is standing on the sideline with a gold chain with a gold whistle on it. I don't know why more people have not talked about this gold whistle. That is incredible. A gold chain with a gold whistle, which is to say, through all the changes and evolutions of Deion Sanders, right, to the era where you have to remember, and I got a copy of it here at the house, of him standing on the cover of ESPN the magazine with a Bible in one hand and his hand out in the other. He went through the preacher era of Deion Sanders. He came back and played again as a football player as the elder statesman Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then all these other steps that he's taken, at every step, the brand has still been primetime, right? Like all of it has still gone right back to the brand that he introduced us to. And as society changed and as people grew and as people got more and more accustomed to it, he's now on the sidelines in his mid to late 50s. As Coach Prime, it's still the same brand as the one that he had before, the one that he's been selling this whole time, right? Like when people talk about Dion being the greatest cornerback of all time, and you don't even like talk about who's number two, but that's because the only person who ever talked about it is Dion Sanders. Right. You know what I mean? Like he made it a glamour he, position. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, he did such a good job of branding that somehow we have underrated where he stands in the pantheon of the greatest American athletes who ever lived. If the Braves had won the World Series in 1992, mm. Deion Sanders would have been World Series MVP because he hit 533 in the World Series while he was working another job playing football, right? And so 
all of this is going on and everybody's getting so caught up in belief and all of that. And those are the kinds of things that I'm kind of waiting to, to get in on just to see how this goes once yeah. the belief and all this stuff actually gets tested. Yeah. But branding wise, what he has pulled off and wouldn't tell you something else too. Colorado, remember they didn't even know how they had, where they was going to get the money to pay Dion. You remember that? They better go find that motherfucker and get some more. Because uh, Dion has already walked in there and been like, yo, price of the brick going up, yo. 30 mo. And he's worked every single dime. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. But I'll tell you this. I know I've been rambling on this. Not but I'll tell you this. This is something very important about what Dion's doing that I think has been lost. And I think that everybody everywhere needs to keep an eye on this. Okay. This this applies more broadly to athletes. And I'm thinking about trying to find a project to do about this, but somewhere along the way, somebody convinced athletes and coaches that the money was in being boring. And they got convinced that the money was in being boring from Michael Jordan. Mm. But like, you know how you keep seeing these people talk about, like, I think it's supposed to be like some, t- like when they did the 10-part Tom Brady documentary, the 10-part Derek Jeter documentary, because mm-hmm. everybody looked up and saw the last dance and was like, oh, okay, we could do that. And my counter is, when what about Michael Jordan did that makes you think that you can do that, right. right? And I think it's the same thing that happened with a lot of athletes. The Jordan wasn't boring. Jordan didn't say anything controversial, but it's not like you didn't have any handle on what kind of guy Michael Jordan was. We're very familiar with what kind of guy Michael Jordan mm-hmm. was. But people decided that being boring and going full corporate was the way to go. But the personalities that have always driven college football have been coaches. That's always been the game. Coaches, there's a reason why people wrote so many books about those coaches from the 50s, 60s, Mm -hmm. and 70s, and to a lesser degree into the 80s, right? Show me the coach with a personality now. Yeah. They're not there, right? Like, none of them are giving you anything. None of them are giving you a brand that has anything to do with what kind of people they are, except for one. <laughs> and his name is Deion Sanders, which is to say that what he's doing is actually kind of old school mm. in the sense that you have a coach again who is a star and they don't act like stars anymore. But he's there. He's got it. So it's going to be interesting to watch how this all goes and what happens at the end of the year. And for me, honestly, how long this team can hold up because I did not watch the TCU game, but I did watch the Nebraska game. And what was very clear to me about the Nebraska game is Colorado is not a very sizable bunch. No. Defensively, don't get pushed around. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know how long you can keep going when you can't run the ball and you don't have big guys. Like, Shadur Sanders is much better than I thought he was from watching him at Jackson, Ditto. which I believe is just a testament to his hard work, and good for him. Mm-hmm. Travis Hunter thing just looks absolutely unfair. It's crazy. We can have another discussion about Dion acting like letting somebody play 100-something plays <laughs> both ways is, like, 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 like you're like you're a nice guy for that. Like I don't let you play both ways. Let, huh? Kids, let. kids you in Pop Warner across the country been doing this for, yeah, for yeah, eons. You, you go let you go let me work a double shift. Huh? <laughs> All right, I see you, big dog. Right. Thanks. Right. You know, so we gonna see how we gonna see how that team holds up. 
But I think for most observers that started the season, the fact that they could even win two games is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, yeah. And and as you mentioned it on the way out here, I, I used to talk about it all the time. Like the black coaches that you saw, whether it be NFL or college football, they always had to be this serene, cerebral, you know, close to the vest, you know, guy next door, the Art Shells of the world, even though Art Shell will bust your ass, right? Lovey yeah. Smith and Mike Tomlin. And then you had Herm Edwards who did the Herm Edwards thing because that's just his personality. And motherfuckers couldn't wait, boy. It was like, see, this is what it is. But you can have the Rex Ryans of the world. You can have the the, yeah. the, the bombastic outlandish dudes. All it, all it needs is a little bit of flat. Like, watch what happened. There's going to be another, not another prime, but there's, like you said, there's going to be somebody who, an offensive coordinator that's a brother that can, you know, show his personality is going to come no, through no, with no, the no, new no, one. No, see, see, you don't think see, so? that's where you got to... See, that's where you got it wrong. Um, and where you got it wrong is... What, the brothers being offensive coordinators? <laughs> no, well, well, there's that. I, that, that. That part had not escaped me. But the other part of it is, just because D.I. can do it don't mean you can do it. Like, we are dealing with a singular figure. They only made one of these, right? So, like, Dion's going to open the door for all these cats. But if they expecting Dion to walk in the door, then you got a problem. Like, that's just not... This 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 is a point that I made earlier about Dion, and I think it's very important, is that Dion has spent the majority of the last 35 years telling us that we ain't Dion Sanders, but then telling people to do what Dion Sanders do. Like it's not it's it's not it's not gonna work this way. But what he's this is the biggest story in college football. Yes. I've never I, I can't, you know, I saw people make the argument that um, you know, Colorado can become black America's team, and maybe, but not really. Like you can't you can't replicate what the eighties were and what it meant to have a college football team that demonstrated a personality of blackness. Like it'll never, it'll never be the same in the end. Also because college football won't let nobody have no fun. Colorado still looks the same as every other team. Right. Like they're not giving you anything. If you didn't know who the coach was and all that stuff, like you could have watched Miami back in the day. You didn't need to know nothing. You just need to watch them and how you felt about it jumped off the screen. There's nothing like to dislike about Colorado as it stands at this point. Like the right. arguments that people make, man, Dion out here making people mad. Who are these people? Because I haven't seen any of them. Everybody seems to be kind of going along for the ride no. here with this one, right? Like the money's on board with this because it ain't always easy to get attention in the early part of the season. Colorado's doing that. Dion is pulling that off. But I don't like like I'm right there with you. I don't see this disruption. No. no. Uh, to the to the establishment. No. That we that we see. I just see a different spin on the establishment. Yeah. And I'm not judging him for that. No. But I just don't see what's so different about yeah, it. Hey, get your money. You got almonds to sell. You got you know insurance, all that. Like, get your money. Do your thing. But you know, I you can call it like you see it as well. All right. Um, as I let you go here, uh, I respect your music opinion as always. Um, Killer Mike and Meta are the two best albums that I have heard this year. What have you been listening to consistently as we head into this fourth quarter? Dude, this year, really not that much, to be not honest. Not that much? Like, I like the Killer Mike album. I like that a lot. Uh, but now nah, I've been kind of in vital land this year, man. Like, it's really hard for the new stuff to, like, really get out here and grab me and hold my attention, even by people I like hmm. at this point. Like, I mean, if you're being real, no, I guess that was last. This, this, yeah. I mean, the, the, the album out of 2022 and because of the tour into 2023 it's really the Beyonce record like it's still like if you were to say the defining record of 2023 because of the tour it would probably still be Renaissance mm. okay okay I, I ain't know, mad at which that which I liked I... a lot more than I ever thought that I would have 
There it is. There it is. Bo, uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, continue the self-mastery with the Spanish classes and all the other <laughs> shit that you got going on. Like you came back last time fit and with, with the with, with the vibes growing out. Now I can't wait to see what it's never a rebrand. I just can't wait to see what the next um, iteration of the Bomani Jones experience is, bro. Nah, man, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on here and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Bomani Jones right here on the Full Go Podcast. It's the full go, baby. We'll bring <laughs> Chris Jones gonna have one game under his belt. You feel me? Just to shake off the cobwebs, <laughs> and then sh- Travis Kelsey will be back. Uh, is he dead? He's dating Taylor Swift now, right? Is that the word? Uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the word. Around, is. But I, I thought he had no, like a oh. steady. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, well, I mean, you know, I mean, Super Bowl champ, yeah. Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, who knows? Hey. Uh, but Taylor Swift's next album about to be fire. You can, uh, you can be assured of that. I don't think this is one that I mean, and it's not. I don't know either person. I just two young people in the limelight. I don't think this is one that's going to go down and you know and stand the test of time. So, uh, with with incredible pain yeah. comes incredible yeah. art. So <laughs> next tour, she's about to do a mm-hmm. fifteen song run. Dedicated to Travis Kelsey. And that's going to be on his head. So you know he's going to go crazy yep. on the Bears in week three. See? I mean, it's not lining up in a pretty fashion. It's not lining up the way I like it. But, yeah, man. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we've got the uh, casual betting brothers who uh, will make their debut tonight. I- I'm sure all of the fam uh, on the pod here is, has gotten their uh, picks together uh, for, for the week. Now, we didn't really discuss this at all, which is kind of, you know, the way we do things on this pod. Um, so I don't know if y'all got like same game parlays. I don't know if y'all got like three or five team parlay. I don't know if you've got just a Bears bet, but um, we're here to inform the, uh, you know, the wagering public on what the casual brothers would do. You know, I listen to all of the FanDuel TV stuff, watch it. I also, you know, shout out to FanDuel because the, the pod is you know, presented to you by FanDuel, right? <clears throat> it's the it's the most phenomenal sportsbook app uh, that I've seen, right? And I hear a lot of our experts talk in terms of the, the wagering, you know, um, specifications, plus 200 this, minus 130 that. Now, we are four casually betting brothers, right? Like, I don't go crazy hard. I like to string a couple of things together on a weekend. I have my best together on this game. Where, we, where else are we going, fellas? What are we, what are we thinking here? I mean, what, what bet would you throw out there, Tony? Come on, I mean, gave you all day. Oh, uh, that, that DJ Moore... Uh, forty three was that forty three yeah. and a half? I'm t- oh, I'm oh, so you're talking about the one I sent on. to the to the uh, to the uh, <laughs> oh. to the group chat? Okay, all right, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, right. I'm so for the that people over. who don't know, like, I'm gonna have the same <laughs> game parlay for this weekend uh, that I'll throw. You know that you may have already heard actually in the uh, promo, but I've got I got the Buccaneers minus the two and a half. Uh, I think that. The Bears, unfortunately, will fall to 0-2. Uh, I think the Buccaneers will get themselves somewhere in the range of an 8-10 to point win. Um, the DJ Moore over that 
Tony Gill was just referring to. 43 and a half is the over under for receiving yards. I think they're going to force the ball to him. Yeah, I think DJ Moore has made it very clear that, you know, and the fans have made it very clear. You can't bring a number one wide receiver to the city and give him two targets. So I think the over is pretty solid there. And I got the over in total points because it's 40 and a half. And um, I don't believe in this defense until I see otherwise. I don't give a shit whose name is out there. TJ Edward has had 14 tackles. Hey, the fill and spill weak side linebacker in a cover two defense is supposed to have a bunch of tackles. You also know who's supposed to do something in the cover two defense. The goddamn three technique. Yeah, the defensive tackle (laughs) who is lining up on the outside shoulder of the guard, the inside shoulder of the tackle, whether it's a cock nose or he out there just straight out the gate, he's supposed to be causing disruption. That was Justin Jones for a long time in week one. And you know why I say a long time? Because if Aaron Jones had not gotten hurt, he was well on his way to gashing the Bears defense over and over and over again. For whatever reason, Matt LaFleur went away from the running game, and then he found it at the end. A.J. Dillon didn't even have a terrific game, and he was moving piles because guess what? The Bears defensive line love roll bouncing on a Sunday afternoon. Boy, they love throwing on them skates, you know, do, do some splits, maybe do the backward. Can y'all skate? Do y'all, do y'all know how to roller skate? I haven't roller skated in years. Out. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's, that's one of the activities of the community that I did yeah, not pick up. Yeah, neither did I. No. I've, uh, that in space. You still, you still don't know how to play space? Or you're not good at it? Nope. I have no idea oh. what's going on when people are throwing cards around and yelling at each other. I'm like, yeah. okay. No dominoes either? Nah. Yeah. 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 I, nope. I don't know how to play dominoes. I do know how to play spades. And I like mayo. So, you like you mayo? Know. Am I part of community? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, that was a mayonnaise joke. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Is that mm-hmm. is that only a white person's thing? Mayonnaise? I don't know. Let me, I, I, you know. I mean, according according to Undercover Brother. It, I've never it, seen it the is movie. Apparently, so, I've never know. seen Undercover yeah, that's Brother. A, that's a good one. Ah. Okay. Yeah, we're finding out a lot about the cross section or the lack thereof <laughs> and similarities that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're selling your team <laughs> short, though, Jay. You know, I mean, you know, like, well, the first week, you know, is always so weird. You know, I always feel like the difference. There's going to just like a few teams will probably be consistent. You know, the Cowboys are probably rock this week and stuff, but you know, it's just hard to know. I feel like it's a little closer than you think. You know, I mean, Baker make. Baker Mayfield looked like a baller yesterday, but you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's Baker Mayfield, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, they're probably, there's been, a, there's been a lot of heat on the bears this week. I feel like, you know, they got to ratchet up some stuff. All the talk has been about like, let, let just cook. You know what I mean? So like, I think yeah. we got to get in there. You know? yeah, he cooked. All right. He, he cooked. All right, Chris. He, uh, he is, uh, I love Chris's optimism. I love it. You know? And and if he was anybody else, I'd flame his ass all the way up right now. If he was any, if I didn't love him, I mean, no, 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 don't, no, no, fuck that, Tony. To, to be no, fair, no, Tony, don't, no, no, don't let him off the hook here. You <laughs> hear what this man? He just said, no, no, he I, just said that that it's gonna be a little. This the Bears defense, <laughs> Justin Jones, the most important person on the Bears defense, did not register a tackle he didn't fall on anybody 
okay? He didn't fall on a ball carrier the entire game. He was nowhere, his hand didn't touch anyone that resulted in a down. <laughs> like, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is still Todd Bowles led. You think that offense that we saw against a Green Bay Packers team that has a terrific amount of first-round talent on their defense. Like, they went up against a, a, a formidable opponent defensively, but we all came into this thing with a, a, a brand-new lease on life offensively because of the, the tools and the people that were in front of Justin, right? You drafted Tyler Scott. You, 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 you acquired DJ Moore. You went out. Robert Tanyan, did he play? All, all, all preseason training camp long, all I heard, hey, two tight end set, hey, middle of the field, lockdown, Cole Komet, blue chip player, huh? And all I saw was Justin running for his life <laughs> and throwing into traffic and not getting the ball to DJ Moore. So why would I think anything would be different against, a, I think, a similarly skilled defense? Like, you're going to see, like, of course, anything can happen. And they could have gotten embarrassed into feeling great about themselves. But if you come out week one, not ready to play football, there is no reason for me to believe in you until you prove otherwise. I, There's none. I just think the Packers are better than we thought they were. You know what I mean? And I think like, I and I you. think there's going to be, there's a, been a lot of talk about, about the bears offense specifically this week, you know? So I feel, you know, I think they know that themselves, any sort of professional team. I, hope so, I, think, I think you're going to see more. I'm not going to predict that they win, but I think you're going to see more from Justin Fields. And like you yeah. said, they're going to force it to DJ more. So you're going to see something. I, I hope so, Chris. There's there's nothing that's going to make me happier than the Bears getting a win and me feeling because that's the other thing too. Like it's feeling like people are thinking I'm sliding towards like not liking Justin Fields, and I'm trying to get this through to everyone. It's not about me liking him anymore. That's already been documented. If he isn't productive, he won't be here. He won't be here. <laughs> and then we're going to have to do this dance all over again. I'm tired of this dance. How many quarterbacks have I, have I seen get drafted and then not developed? Or outright just trading draft picks for a quarterback? You remember the, the the Rick Meyer trade? Like, there's been so many things as a Bears fan where I've seen it, that position go wrong. So I'm the rooting part, hey, psh, I'm root, hey, rooting till the cows come home. But that ain't going to do shit. <laughs> That's going to, hey, because guess what? It was rooting for Rex Grossman, was rooting for Kyle Orton, was rooting for Mitch Trubisky, huh? Was rooting for Peter Tom Willis, Henry Burris, Cordell Stewart, Chad Hutchinson. Was rooting for all of them. Was rooting for Steve Stenstrom. Okay? Was rooting for Moses Moreno. Was rooting for Jake Cutler. Was rooting for all of them. Was rooting for Eric Kramer. Was rooting for Steve Walsh. Was rooting for every single one of those people I just mentioned. You know why? Because I'm a fucking Bears fan. So... You ain't got to worry, because I know what it is, too. Well, you know, seems like you're going hard on the brother. Hey, listen, I would love for everybody to get the double middle fingers about him and all the little nefarious, weird, veiled shit that people like to say that they can't really pony up to and be mad enough to stand on. This whole, that, that, that dog whistle running back shit is all, it's going to be out there until he proves otherwise. Until he proves otherwise. And 
don't i don't know hey hey y'all it's not on us we don't have as much control over this thing as we think we do as fans so you can root your heart out your ass was rooting the entire first week of the season weren't you leading up to the green bay packers game it's an important game so now on the other end of it i can't sit here and be like well yeah you know Ah, week one i can't put the stamp on it like this is the chance for you to kind of take a stranglehold of a, of a lopsided rivalry with a new quarterback on the other side and a guy who's been in the system now going into his second year third year in the league got better weapons nah i can't just throw that away what, then what will we tolerate then because when you disappoint the expectations need to be at a certain level. So nah, until they, nah, nah, I hope they do. But until, until I see otherwise, there's, there's no reason for me to believe outside of just blind faith. And I've never, I've never gone off of that. There's no, there's no way in hell they should have been that flat in week one of the NFL season against their chief rival. Who's been talking crazy to them for the last eight, eight contests. They got beat eight times in a row. (laughs) What more do you need? And if that's what you give me, then there it is. We, we sitting here talking about wide receivers being inactive that you paid a second round pick for what, 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 (laughs) what, 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 what city in the NFL is dealing with that right now? What city in the NFL is like, man, don't know why the best player on the offense didn't touch the football in the first week of the season. One, one city is dealing with that. That's us. So, no, in Tampa Bay on the road, huh? the Bengals, Cincinnati, they, they dealing with Cincinnati. They dealing with and what has their level of success been? Like there, there's I mean, this made to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, no, no. no. But 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 (laughs) for the last two and a half years, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have been a force to to deal with. There's been a level of sustained success. There's the reason why they gave him three hundred million dollars. I have nothing, nothing to to uh, underpinning any kind of blind faith. What what do I have? Like foundationally, what do I have to be like? Ah, you know what though? This guy will get it right. (laughs) <laughs> or this group, it, it, they'll steady the ship. I have. You think Joe Burrow is going to be the worst quarterback in the in the league this year? Because I don't. I just think he had a shitty game, <laughs> and and he fumbled the hell out of the ball, and the Browns took advantage of it. Now flip the script. What don't you? What do you know is not going to happen the way it happened in Week One against the Bears? What? You can't say anything. There's, there are no, there's nothing to identify this team by. Not the whole, well, they're scrappy enough and they'll in it. They went on a four game run last year where they scored like, what, 28, 29 points a game and lost three of them. <laughs> the defense that we're supposed to be talking about, like, at what point, hey, Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach. Guess who's lost the most games by 15 or more in the last three years? Bears have seven of those in the last two years. The next closest team has four. What are we talking about? Like, I love this team as much as anybody else does. I promise you I do. 
You're not, you're not going to piss on my shoes and tell me it's raining, dog. Like, this is not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Do I hope they win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Hell yeah. I'll be watching. But am I convinced that that's going to happen just because? No. No, not at all. You're going to have to pleasantly surprise me. And I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping Justin Fields throws for 350 yards. I'm hoping he runs for another 60. I'm hoping he has five touchdowns combined. I'm hoping that DJ Moore get two of them. I'm hoping Roshan Johnson run for 145. I'm hoping all those things happen. But, all right. You got to make a a blocking wide receiver active because one dude don't want to play. Mercedes Lewis is on the injury report with rest. You sign the dude to ensure that inline blocking would be shored up. Like, what are we talking about here? Who can I trust to be competent? I guess that's the question. Who can I trust to be competent? In an adverse situation, on the road, the weather's going to be, you know, Florida weather in, in September, so it's going to be hot and humid, whatever the case may be, right? Like, I just saw this team have a pretty, pretty nice showing against the Minnesota Vikings and watching the, the Philadelphia Eagles crush them currently. Like the Vikings are going to start off the season 0-2. Remember what I said this, to start this, this season off? Thought the Bears had a chance to be the second best team in the division. <laughs> didn't know that Jordan Love or didn't think that Jordan Love was going to be that dude. And this is the Minnesota Vikings team that I thought we would see. So... <laughs> No, my expectations are my expectations, but there's nothing underpinning the blind faith that I should have in this team that things are just going to get turned around. I hope they do. I'm a Bears fan. I, I, this city is a lot more fun when they win. It's a lot more fun. It's awesome to talk to other Bears fans and connect about shit that you know you would not be connecting with this person about if it weren't for that, that bond. And to have that bond be nothing but angst and worry and second guessing and un and discomfort. Like, yeah, y'all call it the being a sports fan thing. I call it, hey, this is this is weird. This these this shouldn't be the expectation. Uh, no. It's a charter franchise in the NFL, man. It's a charter franchise. They started the goddamn league. <laughs> And we're sitting here going through quarterback after quarterback, this coach and that coach, not wanting to hire coaches with prior coaching experience. Like, what are we talking about here? Who can I, who can I count on to be competent? Now that Kevin Warren is here, you know, cool, but <laughs> that's a, it's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of past, a whole bunch of history. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. See what the goddamn Packers lost did? See what it did? I'm for real. That's why it was a big game. You had to win that fucking game. You had to win that game. Or at least look competent. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Ah, we don't stop there. We, we throw the guests at you. All right, Steven Ruiz, uh, he, he's kind of the, the quarterback guy that I go to 
uh, for my content right here at the ringer uh loved working with him on the nfl pod this year get a chance to talk to him on this pod a little bit more hopefully he breaks down justin fields and also gets into some quarterback play around the league that uh kind of piqued his interest so here's steven ruiz right here on the full go podcast the actual factuals of week one quarterback play uh, get digested from this interview. Steven, always good to see you, man. Haven't seen you since the end of last football season when we were doing the old Tuesday NFL feed on the, the ringer pod. So how you been and how's the offseason treated you before I, you know, make you shit on a bunch of quarterbacks that people like? Right. Uh, the offseason was good. I turned off my Twitter notifications. I didn't argue with anybody. I didn't think about football. It was it was good. I did as little work as possible. I, I hope the bosses aren't listening to that, but it, it, it left me refreshed for the season. I'll say that. Yeah, don't worry. This ain't New York, New York. <laughs> They're not going to get wind of it. <laughs> They're not going to get wind of it. So let me ask you this, man. You got a lot of Bears fans who are going to every quarterback video, every all 22 possible. We, we got quarterbacks who, you know, got a cup of coffee in the league who are, you know, bantering about what Justin Fields is and what he isn't. This is this is the make or break season, because after this two first round picks, a whole bunch of cap space. It might be a different direction, whether it's Justin's fault or not. Like, that's what this first week has been here in the city of Chicago. Who's to blame? Is Luke Getze still got the training wheels on? Is he able to take him off? Is Justin Fields not reading defenses correctly? Can he pull the trigger a little bit quicker? Uh, is he is he getting the autonomy to audible? We saw when he did. You see the, the, the throw to Darnell Mooney in the corner of the end zone. I, I trust you and, like, two or three other people in the industry when it comes to quarterback play. What did you see week one against the Packers? I mean, to answer all those questions you just asked in a row, yes. Like, everyone is to blame. Uh, every option is on the table. All of the range of outcomes are on the table. Like, that's what makes it so hard to evaluate this guy is you see the flashes of of, of high-level play. Like, he, there are plays where he looks like an elite quarterback. Obviously, with him, it's consistency. Can he do it every down? That's why I always I always find it funny when you see those tweets from, like, Bears Twitter and it's like, you know, the SpongeBob font where it's like capital letters, lowercase. I thought Justin Fields couldn't throw, so, and they so throw the Cam Newton font. Yeah, and they throw. Yeah, that's it. And they throw, <laughs> and they show a clip from like Ohio State. First of all, why you should, why why you have to go back three years to find a good clip? Second of all, like we know he can make those throws. That's not what anyone's saying. It's can you do it down to down? And it, like so far, even week one, I think the answer is still no. But with him, it's like if he just finds that little like extra five percent where like the timing's a little bit better and he is consistent. He goes from being a bottom 10 quarterback to being Josh Allen, from be, to being a top 10 quarterback. And I think with him, the problem is he's never going to be a good quarterback, right? It's either he's going to be terrible or he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think Josh Allen is similar. I think a counterexample is like Mac Jones, right? Like he's, mm. he's probably only going to be good. Like he's not going to be terrible, but he's not going to be great. And it's hard to give up on the fields type. It's easier to give up on the Mac Jones type, even though like he brought him to the playoffs and all that. But with Fields, it's just so hard to give up because of those flashes, and we're still getting them. What's the best route to success with a quarterback with his kind of talent? You know, we, we talk about the 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 record-breaking rushing season. Then you get a week one where he gets one quarterback run, and that was a quarterback sneak. Six or seven tucking runs, 37 dropbacks. Um I'm always a fan of giving somebody some success so you could point out their weaknesses because usually that's the way that people 
you know, digest it a little bit easier. What needs to happen for Justin Fields to just find a baseline of, okay, this is competent. Now we can build on it. Like how, how does a play calling have to go? How should it go? I thought we saw a model for that late last year when they really like built the offense around him as a run threat, as a design run threat. And I thought we didn't see enough of that, nearly enough of that in week one, which I was kind of surprised about. I mean, I mean, I guess I'm not super surprised because when you want your quarterback to develop, you don't want him to lean on those things as a crutch. But with Justin Fields to get the most out of his skill set, you're going to have to use him as a runner. I, I look at Philadelphia's model for Jalen Hurts and not necessarily last year, because I don't think good advice is go trade for AJ Brown and, and right. get Devontae Smith. Oh yeah, no shit. If, if, you, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. But to 2021, they were like a borderline top 10 offense and made the playoffs when Hertz was, I think he was more along as a passer than when, than Fields is right now. But I think Fields is a more dynamic talent at this point in their respective careers. So it, it's certainly possible. I think you got to get players that fit into that mold. Like the the I've seen the Chase Claypool cutups from from Bears Twitter where he's not trying at all. Like you can't have those guys on the field. You need receivers that need to, that want to block if you're going to be a run team. And I don't think they have that at the moment. So it's kind of hard to figure out what plays they should call. Like I I don't put it on Getty because I think Getty is trying. You could see what he's trying to do. I think there's some things he could do more of, but he doesn't have the pieces to to come up with an offense that really works in the way that I think Bears fans want. Was this thing kind of stifled from the get-go with a defensive hire and head coach? I mean, I want to say no, because I I'd like I think it's boring to say, like, oh, we should only hire offensive geniuses. Because right. then all, it's just a bunch of nerdy white guys getting hired, like, all the time. But <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I kind of want to say yes, because I, I don't think – I don't think he had – okay, we're going to get this offense right for Justin Fields at the forefront of his mind. And, and it's kind of hard for him to do that because he's brought in as like a defensive guy. So you're expecting the defense to be good. And that's something he's got to pay attention to. And now you have this other thing that you kind of put on his plate. You got to develop this quarterback also. And that's never been a strength for him. So I think Everflus is kind of dealt a bad hand. I do think you could blame him for some of the lack of develop, development. But I think any defensive coach in that spot would have had a similar problem. What organizations have consistently developed quarterbacks the right way? And what, what infrastructures come along with that in terms of, you know, maybe not this guy's a star, uh, but zero. You make like, this wait, guy... what... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I would say zero. Like what are the, the organizations that do it repeatedly? I don't think there really are ones. The only one I can name is one that the listeners of this podcast aren't going to want to hear. And that's the Packers. They're the one team that has not only developed developed their own star quarterbacks, they've developed backups and then sent them off to other teams to be stars. Like Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselbeck, mm -hmm. Kurt Warner, uh, Doug Peterson wasn't a star, but he, he turned out to be a good coach. Like all these guys that backed up Brett Favre back in the day. Now Jordan Love looks like a, a, a good player on Sunday. He looked more far along than Justin Fields ever has. And he hasn't played football for the last three years. So they're doing something right. I don't know what that model is. We don't know, but... Like they're the one team that has figured it out. It seems like if you if you had to bet on it, you know, courtesy of FanDuel, of course. <laughs> but if you had to bet on it, um, would you be willing to put money on, good money on, significant money on Justin Fields being a successful Bears quarterback after this year? Ooh, uh, no, I wouldn't put money on it. 
I don't think it's out of the question. Like, I, but I think it's like a 60, 40 proposition at this point with 60 being the bad, like the bad turnout. Right. But I think it's like I said, it's so hard because those flashes, like when he takes off on one of those scrambles and glides down the field, like he's like Jamal Charles basically, and no one's touching him. Like I wouldn't be able to give up on that after two years, after three years. So it's hard. And if I was a Bears fan and I saw that this roster was was terrible and you're still running Chase Claypool out there and this offensive line, you haven't built anything, I would be like, maybe we should give this guy another year. But at the same time, I understand the time constraints that this front office is under, especially with next year, with that quarterback class right. coming and with that draft capital, it's tough. What are you seeing schematically or route concepts wise over the last few games that you've watched over a Luke Getze organized or coordinated offense? Like what, 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 what do you know that when you turn on the tape, you're going to see from the bears offense outside of punts and, you know, miscues? <laughs> uh, I mean, they don't really have that much of an identity. I think the, in the passing game, especially, it's really basic. It's like cookie cutter stuff that you see. Like, you know, when you play Madden and you do the coaching suggestions, those are the plays that they run. They're running those <laughs> basic plays. And like, you look at Justin Fields' stats and you like really dig down into them. You take out like play action, you take out plays outside the pocket. Last year, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. And like the one that played the most, and I'm including like Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield. This isn't me saying it. This is, these are the numbers saying it. And I think that goes back to the offense. I think that's where you can find fault in the offense is you're not finding him these layups to pad his stats when it's not him getting outside of the pocket by himself. And I think you have to, but it, it, it's kind of hard to answer that question because you need a quarterback that's willing to sit in the pocket and read out the defense to call those plays. Right. So it's like a chicken or egg situation. Does he have the quarterback right. to do it? Or do you, is it just one of those situations where you throw the young guy into the deep end and see if he, he floats? Cause if he's not going to float, he's not your guy anyway. Right. Week in, week out, who is consistently your favorite play caller to watch, no matter who the trigger man is. Ooh. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's such an easy answer that that I almost don't want to say. Um, uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Kellen Moore, the Chargers' new offensive coordinator. Not that he's like the best, but I think he's the most creative. Like I think he comes up mm. with new shit every week, and like he kind of like plays on the shit he did last week. It's like a like a running joke throughout the season, and like by the end of it, it starts out like as a bubble screen for a receiver, and by the end of it an offensive lineman is lined out in the at receiver and like blocking for him. It's like, it's, it's, it's good stuff, but yeah, like Kyle Shanahan's the obvious answer. Andy Reid, all those guys, Eric, the enemy, I thought had a great week one. No one's going to give him credit because no one cares about the commanders and everyone decided that he didn't call plays in Kansas city and he doesn't know right. shit, but he had a great <laughs> opening week to me. If he had a better quarterback, I think we'd be talking about it. All right, let's get to week one outside of the Bears and outside of, you know, the play callers that we should be envious uh, to not have here in the city of Chicago. Yeah, let's go right to Miami and the Chargers, man. Um, you got two dudes who seems like they're on different courses in terms of their career, even though you should feel the same about both of them to me, because Tua Tagovailoa, when we were introduced to him at Alabama, it was like, okay, this guy's going to be the number one pick at some point, mm -hmm. and he's going to be a perennial pro bowler. Like, he's he's tough, he makes the throws, and then the concussion stuff started to happen, and of course, all the other things, and I think Tua, you know, he, he gives himself like a samurai's death after every <laughs> loss, man. It's like, hey, dog, it's going to be okay, brother. You don't have to do this 
this to yourself. And then the Ryan Clark stuff in the offseason. So to see him play the way he did in the first game, and let's let's face it, man, if if Aaron Donald is the best player in football, then Tyree Kill is one A to me, right? Like yeah. you talk about physically dominating, and I and I hate the fact that we don't use speed as much as you know, respect speed as much as we respect strength in football. Like Randy Moss is one of the five most physically dominant players in football that I've ever seen, but we don't talk about it because we just think of speed. Right. Tyree Kill is out there combining speed and strength, and he'll go get it wherever you want to throw it. That game, to me, like that was the now I want to watch NFL football game after being a Bears fan. I did it as a kid where it's like, <laughs> all right, I get to noon game to myself. That's the Bears game, and now I can go watch NFL football. Like, what did you take away from week one Chargers, uh, Dolphins, Tua versus Herbert? I think it was the, the Tyreek thing. Like the holy shit, this guy's unstoppable and nobody else can do the things that he does. Like, you know what that game was to me? And this is going to be a throwback for you. It might be triggering. It was 2005 Bears Panthers playoffs, Steve Smith. Oh, oh, like that's what he oh. is to me. I, and, and people, you can talk about the speed, but I think you, you add in, he can jump. Like he has like a 40 inch vertical. Like he can make contested catches. He can play big if he has to in certain spots. And I thought Steve Smith was that type of player. And, and Tyreek has taken it to a whole nother level. That speed is like, we, we love to hype up the small fast guy, especially every draft season, right? There's always like this mid round guy that went to like some Mac school that is all fast. And he's like five ten, and he's never going to actually play in the NFL. But Tyreek is the one <laughs> where his speed is actually a difference maker, where if you're not coach, like if you're not thinking about it, when you're coaching, when you're calling the play, it's a touchdown every time. Like the Chargers, every time the Chargers called single single coverage on the outside with no safety help over the top, it was a touchdown. And there's only one player that does that. And then like, I got to give Tua credit. I'm one of his harshest critics, I guess, on the internet. I thought like, of course, playing with Jalen Waddle, playing with Tyreek Hill, Mike McDaniel calling the plays, it's going to be easier. But I thought within that, like that's how you throw for 450 yards. But within that, he also right. made plays on his own in ways that I don't think he made plays last year. That's the one like form of evolution that I saw from this game from last year where I was like, Oh, Tua added something to his game. This isn't just the product of his environment. Like he made plays down the stretch after he moved and he wasn't doing that last year. And then with Herbert, like, I mean, he's this generation's damn Marino. I don't know how else to put it. He played like a great game. Like he led them down on the drive before when he had to and gave them the lead and the defense gave it up. And then he gets sacked like three straight plays. I don't know if you can blame that on him, but I mean, he's doing what he can. It's just the Chargers are cursed. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. He played a great game. No, he was excellent. And that, that's a great comp, by the way. That's a great comp. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense. You know, T. Higgins got the offer on eight targets. With 82 yards, like it wasn't bad for Joe Burrow. It was bad for any starting quarterback, period. Right. Period. So, what do you take away from it? I know the Bengals are not going to go 0-17. I, I look for the Bengals to be right there again at the end of the season as one of the best teams in the NFL. But what do you take away from their just dreadful start to the season offensively against the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like, if you look up Joe Burrow's, uh, like, passing heat map, he literally doesn't have mm -hmm. a throw over the middle of the field. It's all like all down the sidelines and behind the line of scrimmage. It's one of the most ridiculous like heat maps I've ever seen. But I think the takeaway is that Joe Burrow just has tiny hands and can't grip a wet football. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to be a problem going forward, but that's like, that's what happened. If you watch, like there are slow motion clips and this guy cannot grip the football. 
He's like tossing it like uh, like a pie almost. He's pushing it. Yeah, he's pushing it. So I, I, I mean, as long as it doesn't rain hev- heavily, I don't think this game's gonna be an there issue. You go. It's kind of funny there that isn't it funny that all like the the quarterbacks that can't play in bad weather are in the AFC North. Like Deshaun Watson can't mm. throw in 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 high wind. Kenny Pickett has to wear the gloves. Uh, Joe Burrow has the tiny hands. Lamar Jackson fumbles all the time. AFC North, get your ball security up. There it is. I, I didn't think of that. I, I did not think of that. Yeah, it's going to be tough if he needs uh, he needs perfect weather there in old Cincinnati. And maybe that's why they gave him 280. It's like, yo, you, you better get used to it, fam. Here, wrap, wrap the dollar bills around those <laughs> tiny hands. That's why whenever people do the whole like um, uh, measurables thing, and I'm like, yeah, you can talk about Drew Brees being 5'10", 5'11", all you want. The man had the biggest hands damn near on the team, right? right. The same thing with Johnny Manziel and for Ross- like oh he's yeah. a tiny yeah exactly Russ exactly like you, you got to make up for it somewhere you can't just be little can't just be little. you just mentioned Lamar how that uh how that first week go under the new offensive leadership of Todd Monkey uh not good like I think it was just Russ though they didn't play it together at all in preseason not one rep Lamar didn't play at all in preseason they looked good in practice like I went out there for training camp a couple times and they looked fine uh I think it's gonna be fine going forward but yeah it was it was it was Russ but I do like the bones of the offense. Like I like what the change, the changes that were made. They're playing more with three receivers on the field. I think I saw a stat. It was like 40 snaps in that game compared to last year. And it was like 150 snaps with three receivers on the field, which is just insane to me. And I think this is the best way to get like the most out of Lamar, put him in space, put the best space player I have ever seen in my life in space. Don't put him in a phone booth. Like Greg Roman did. I think that's going to change things for him. All right, quarterback matchup you're looking forward to the most in week two. Oh, I'm gonna say Mac Jones and Tua. All right, I'm out of here. I'm out of this. This I don't ever want to watch Mac Jones play football. No, the only reason I said ever. the only reason I said that is that's the only game I'm confident that's happening this Sunday. I have to look at the schedule. <laughs> I would never actually answer that question in that this way. This is why I fuck with you. <laughs> this is- uh, good Lord, this is a bad slate of quarterback matches. Oh, oh, I'm dumb. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Trevor Lawrence and Pat, Pat Mahomes. Uh, your guy, your guy, your guy T Law. <laughs> your guy T Law. Um, yeah, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is, I'm sure, gonna you know bounce back from Week One. Even though I thought he played his ass off in Week One, yeah. it just he didn't have anyone to catch the football for him. And of course, Trevor Lawrence and the Indianapolis Colts gave him fits. But yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it's. it's it, I think it's. I think we're at an interesting point now where we've got this middle tier of not middle tier, but we've got the young guys who are creeping up. And then you've got like Dak Prescott in the middle and then you've got the old heads, right, you yeah. know, and everybody's, everybody's passing up everybody else. And we're, we're still talking about, you know, Dak, even though 40 to nothing that, that really wasn't on his, <laughs> you know, his resume. Um, they, how do you feel about Dak? I, I mean, he didn't do anything. The, the best player on the Cowboys <laughs> that game was Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know i don't he didn't really do anything so we'll see we'll see going forward i think dak's good though i think dak's gonna be good. yeah i think that's gonna be yeah good. just good enough to get you beat good enough to meet you beat <laughs> steven i i appreciate you man you you get back to your day we we taped this by the way before uh the thursday night football game so i didn't ask you about jalen hurts or anything like that want to see what this this second week looks like especially against the uh vaunted minnesota vikings defense <laughs> so uh appreciate you man we'll continue to send people to the to the content uh i, I read it and i share it every time you throw it out there uh, i'm glad we had a chance to catch up brother yeah thanks for having me
Stephen Ruiz. He has been had right here on the Full Go Podcast. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to the Full Go with Jason Golf, presented by the Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you who I, I think is going to This isn't a very casual bet, but. Give it to me. I think the Jags are going to win this week, man. I think the Jags are going to beat the Chiefs this week. Do you? Uh, what I, oh, straight on the money what line. What I got, yeah. I, I'm picking. I'm pick, You're not the only one. Oh, not shit. Make sure I've seen that. The I, mean, yeah, let me I just this. think that uh, Chiefs, aren't really, <laughs> like Chiefs aren't really ready yet, and I think the Jags are. You know, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be there at the end. Believe me. By the time like November, we're going to fear them. You know, when Kelsey's back. You know, I know Chris Jones, like you said, he's mm-hmm. going to knock the rust off. But yeah. I think uh, I, I think this is kind of prime for the Jags to kind of get in there. Trevor Lawrence is humming. Um, there's a bet with uh, uh, Zay Jones touchdown anytime that looks really good. Um, okay. Plus two hundred, and then um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to is at uh, one point five on an over. I'm going to take that. I think they're going to go off, man. Touchdowns. Yeah, they went off last week, oh, and I think yes. uh, it's uh, that's a looks like a great bet to me. You know, it's like I, I think the okay. Jags are ready. I, I, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad. I was at looking it. at that, in, that look, Travis Etienne plus two, like two to touchdowns. Him. I was looking at that too, but you know, you don't want to be too confident. But he's, he's going off too. He, he's, yeah, he's special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that dude has a special burst to him, man. That's all right. Jags over the Chiefs, an own two Chiefs team. You're gonna send people crazy, yeah, yeah. boy. I mean, we're, we're gonna go have... weeks of like, oh, Mahomes, this and that. But like I said, every year, mm-hmm. every year by Halloween, yeah. we're like, oh, here he is. It's, you know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll run off nine straight right. after that, and then none of that right. will be relevant because he's an alien. Because <laughs> he's an alien, and he makes mere mortals better. Like Juju Smith Schuster should be out of the league. He is now on the Patriots for some reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, nah, Patrick is that dude, man. Patrick is that dude. All right, I like that. So we got, we got, did you say Trevor Lawrence? I got over one yeah. and a half. You got the, the Jags on the on money the line. line. And, and Zay Jones. And Zay Jones. Touchdown anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There it is. We got, we got to throw that out there. We got to do a little breakout with that. I'm not I got mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Kyle, have we corrupted your soul enough to, uh, to, to bring a bet to the table? I got y'all next week. Okay, there it is. See? All right. See? The casual betting brothers <laughs> have concluded, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there it is. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Golf Podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. You think the Bears gonna win? <laughs> I think the Bears are gonna win. I think the Bears. I think it's gonna be. I think it's score. gonna be close. I think it's gonna be twenty sixteen, and it's gonna be close. Ooh. Oh, so you're taking the under? Yeah. All right. All right. Forty and a half is the number. All right. All right, Kyle. What do you think? I think the Buccaneers win it. I'm gonna go twenty five to to seventeen. All right, so he's taking the Buccaneers in two and a half. 25-17, but he's taking the over. All right. Tony, what you got for us, brother? 
everybody that I've seen pick the Bears are picking because they know that they're going to lose the next week. So that means they can't lose this week. And I'm like, you can't make the analysis based on knowing Shit. that they're going to lose the next week. That is some pretzel <laughs> logic if I've ever heard it. <laughs> they're going to be so pissed off that they're going to lose in two so weeks I, that this week they're going to really get it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fire the whole team, man, if um, that's the case. <laughs> hey, you know we're going you know to get the shit kicked out of us in two weeks, right? So let's go hard for this one. And then, you know, you know. Right, let's right, make right. sure we get this one. And then they'll be off our back next week when we uh, you know, lose you next know the week, crazy so, part yeah. is, you know, the crazy um, part is like two wide receivers in a car going home, having that exact conversation. Right away. <laughs> hey, man, can I get a ride to your crib? <laughs> so, you know, we losing against Kansas City, right? All right. I was just making sure you ain't on that dust. OK, cool. <laughs> but this week we can kind of, you know. Give them our best, I guess. <laughs> All right, Chase. See you later, man. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I just, I just don't see them. Kyler Gordon's gone. Like they're gonna have problems trying to contain Mike, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, and that defense is real. Like that Bucks defense is is legit. Uh, and you, you don't come out looking that awful. And I think it's going to get better, but not better enough to win. So I, I got bucks. Um, I'm going to say 28 to 17. All right, so that's more in the line of what I got. I got the bucks 30. I got the bears 18. I think you get yourself four Cairo Santos field goals, get yourself a touchdown and a spoiled two point attempt. And you, you go back, lick your wounds and get ready to play the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, like I said, I hope, I hope something different is in the offing. I hope they go down to Tampa Bay and Justin has himself a, a phenomenal time. I hope so. Because I do want to be entertained too, right? Like, you know, we're here for, we're here for the show, right? We, we're here to see the best athletes that uh, this city can, has to represent themselves on the road. But I think it's going to be too much. I think Todd Bowles is going to throw a lot at Darnell Wright. And that's, that's what, the one worry spot that I have, you know, it's not DJ Moore, it's not Justin, is how much is going to be thrown at that rookie right tackle. I think you're going to see some wild formations. I think you're going to see a lot of pressure off that edge and making him make decisions and, and making Justin make check with me decisions at the line. So you're going to see Justin's audible game get tested. And if he has the autonomy to audibleize as much as, um, a third-year quarterback should. So I hope those things are shored up. Uh, but until I see otherwise, I think the Bears going to lose to the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers have a lot of talent. And I don't know what the Bears' defense is until they show me. And just because you got new names on the field, um, it looked a lot like last year's defense with less talent in certain areas. So, yep, I got the Buccaneers winning. Uh, and that's all the time we have for episode 290 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our guests, Bomani Jones and also Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer. I want to thank our production staff, uh, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. Saw that beautiful baby on Steve's uh, Instagram story. Oh, man, baby's getting big, man. Baby's getting big. Shout out to Steve and the family. Uh, the exceptional one, Kyle Williams, the chief vibes officer himself, 
Chris Sutton, and my main man, Tony Gill. Shout out to Tony. Uh, it's good to see Tony here, Tony. It's good to see all of you guys, man. Let's uh let's have a good two-day, you know, breather before we get back in the in the fiery depths of hell that is Bears postgame. <laughs> so we'll catch y'all Sunday night after the Bears and Buccaneers get it on. Hopefully the Bears get a win. But hey, voicemail line is open for you, 773. 773- 3593103773359 it will be open for you and open for business during the bears game after the bears game we're going to try to get some of these voicemails uh encouraged right hear how you feel about things so 7733593103 is the full go voicemail line and that's about it yeah, that's all we have. Uh, thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to it, following us on the socials. Uh, thank you for rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in the streets. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe and stay sucker free. We will catch you on Sunday after Bears Buccaneers. Must be 21 and over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. one 800 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York.